Hello, health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Phil Barth. In August of 2001, Phil wandered into a Toastmasters meeting in Westchester, Ohio. He joined that night and has been talking nonstop ever since. In 2011, he finished in the top 10 out of 30,000 competitors in the Toastmasters World Championship of Public Speaking. In 2018, he finished in the top 20. In 2015, he finished in the cardiac wing of Bethesda North Hospital in Montgomery, Ohio. The trip to the cardiac wing didn't help his 2015 speech contest performance, but it did help him learn how to manage stress, which in turn led him to become a two-time, so far, author. Phil is the author of the book, Great Things Happen Every Day, a book about recovery from a heart attack, banana milkshakes, and rummage sales. In the episode, Phil shares stress-reducing mindset shifts he's adopted after his small heart attack in 2015, how a daily gratitude practice can be an antidote to stress, why you actually can't do it all, and more. Before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, thrivemarket.com. I don't know about you, but I used to think eating healthy meant I had to spend a lot of time and money at the grocery store until I discovered Thrive Market. Thrive is an online grocery shopping platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since they deliver groceries directly to your door, they're able to cut out all middle people and heavily discount their inventory. When I buy groceries on Thrive versus going to my local supermarket, I save at least $20 per order and I'm able to fill up my cart from the comfort of my couch. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash thrivemarket, or just click through the link in the show notes. All right, it's time to hear from Phil. Enjoy. Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Phil. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this one. Awesome. Uh, I know you wrote a book, which I love the title of it. It's called Great Things Happen Every Day, Finding Joy with Family, Friends, and Banana Milkshakes. And I would love if you could start by just telling us a bit about your background and what specifically caused you to write that book. Okay, sure. So in 2015, I had what the doctor called a small heart attack. I think we're audio only, but just consider finger quotes around the word small. <laughs> and and I thought, you know, if this is a small heart attack, I don't ever want to experience medium or large. And so I went to the, I was in the hospital for a day and then they put in stents, a couple of stents in some smaller arteries. 
Afterwards, the surgeon talked to me and he said, look, you need to manage your stress. You know, I was expecting a lecture on lower fat, more vegetables, lower, lower sodium, all of that. I, that wasn't where he went. He was like, you need to manage your stress. And he said, you need to promise me that if, if at all possible, you will take one week off every three months. So, you know, that happened in August, right? And, and so for the rest of the year, there's recovery. So I was taking a fair amount of time off. At, then in the first quarter of 2016, it's the last week in March. And my wife said, you promised you're going to take a week off. So I'm still a little bit in recovery. What we did was we went to, we took a staycation, five days staycation. And the first day, you know, just small trips. The first day we went to the Cincinnati Zoo. And when I got home from the Cincinnati Zoo, I got on Facebook because I'm a Facebook addict. And <laughs> I, right, you know, color, it is what it is. I And I typed up, here are the great things that happened today. And I didn't think anything about it. Just listen. I mean, we saw we saw baby, I can't remember what the, a baby leopard, I think it was. And we saw the gorillas, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I published, I just put it out there and everybody liked it. And and of course, if you're on Facebook and you get likes, well, that's that's <laughs> right? A dopamine yeah. hit right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the next day we went to the art museum. I said, I'm going to do it again. And, and so every day during that staycation, I put something out. Here's the great things that happened today. And I started to wonder, how long could I do that? How long? Because, you know, next week I'm back to work. How long could I find something great in life? And the answer is it's almost been what, seven years? It's, it's going close to seven years, and I still do it. So what what I didn't realize at the time, it was just kind of a, I'm going to put this on, on Facebook. What I didn't realize was that was starting to generate a gratitude practice. Didn't even think about it. But then the next thing I noticed was it was lowering my stress because gratitude lowers stress. Hmm. So you know, fast forward a couple of years, and I had all this stuff, and my wife said, you ought to write a book. And I'm thinking, she's been right every other time, so I'm going to write a book on it. <laughs> and, and, and so I took all of those posts and then grouped them by different categories and just listed, here are the great things that happened in that happened in my life. Here's why they were great. And can you now start your gratitude practice as you're reading this? And the, the reason banana milkshakes is because that was one of the things we tried. My wife said, you know, you could we could do banana milkshakes. I'm like, what are those? She said, banana, we'll put a little frozen yogurt in it and some low-fat milk. And, and they're, it's so simple, and that's the message. It can be so little, so simple, and you're so grateful for it because you're just spending time with family and having fun. And, and so that was the banana milkshakes part of that title. Hmm, I love that. Before your heart attack, did you identify as being somebody who was very stressed out? Yes. You absolutely. did? Okay. Oh, Yeah. From yeah. job, family, I mean, all the things, or particularly your job? Uh, job, family, um, just thinking you can do it all. And, and you know, I can take on one more thing, and I would never want to disappoint anybody. And you put the stress on yourself, right? It may or may not be actually externally from the job or externally from any family issues or, or anything else. It may just be in the way you handle it. Mm-hmm. And, and the way you're always, I'm going to take more. I'm going, to, I'm going to take on more. I'm, I'm Superman. Well, it turns out nobody's Superman. Fictional mm-hmm. character. 
Right. I've talked to stress experts before in the past, and they have mentioned that this idea of saying no as one of the antidotes to stress and setting boundaries. And then also, as you said, implementing some type of gratitude practice or anything you can do, as you said, to kind of handle the stress better, to have a different mindset about life in general, find small things that are awesome every day as you're saying, but as I'm kind of now, I don't know, synthesizing the stress episodes I've had, it seems that the recurring themes are say no, set boundaries and be grateful, at least as a starting place. Do you, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Uh, And I never said no until afterwards. And, and there's a, Another piece to it, and I think it's saying no, or at least mentally to yourself, setting no, making a boundary, whatever. Do I have control over this, which is stressing me out? The obvious and overused example is you get cut off in traffic. Do I have control? If I yell, blare the horn, flip the bird, whatever, is that changing the situation? Is that doing anything? Or am I just stressing myself out over somebody who probably didn't mean anything by it? And, and probably has zoomed off the highway and hasn't given you a second thought. So mm-hmm. if I don't have control over something and, and I've done what I can about the situation, then you need to let go. And that can be saying no or just letting go mentally of things. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you say that because I was driving the other day and I had my little Google map pulled up in my car or whatever. And so I was following the directions And I was in a little small town with all these tiny streets and it led me down this one street and this guy was coming and I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is such a narrow street. How are we both going to fit? So I kind of pulled off to the side and he was like making arms at me and getting really mad and then I was getting all stressed and I was like, oh my gosh, what is this guy's problem? Seriously, like I've pulled over, I'm letting him by and then he pulls up next to me and rolls his window down. So I'm thinking, oh, great, here we go. So I roll my window down a little bit and he's trying to tell me something. And then he goes, ma'am, this is a one-way street. You're going the wrong way (laughs) down a one-way street. And so he was trying to help me. And here my first thought was, what is this jerk doing? I pulled over (laughs) and I'm letting him go by. And so then I snap into, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I have no idea, but it made me realize these snap judgments we put on people and I'm going to mess this up, but I heard somewhere that we always in a situation, give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, but we don't give that to other people. So we understand if we're in a hurry and we have to go faster or we have to like cut somebody off, we justify it for ourselves. But if somebody else does that, we don't extend them the same courtesy and we jump immediately to, oh, this person's a jerk. They're cutting me off. And But if we were doing that, we would justify it and understand we have our reasons. And right. kind of going along with this, I saw a, uh, somebody on Instagram I was following the other day, but they're a parent. And they were saying they're trying to teach their kid in traffic to roll with this example. When somebody cuts them off or does something, they just say out loud, wow, I, w- I bet that person's having a really rough day. Or I hope that person's safe. And it seems like they're really in a hurry. So I hope everything's okay with their family and nothing's going too wrong in that person's life. And it gives me chills just even as I'm saying that, because I don't typically think that when somebody's being a jerk in traffic. But what a cool thing to try to get in the habit of doing out loud, especially in front of kids, 
to kind of help kids have that mentality that, you know, people have rough days and we don't need to get stressed by it. We can just kind of send them good vibes. Man, I wish I had heard that when my kids were younger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm sure. How old are your kids now? (laughs) 27, 24, and 20. Well, you know, there's still time. (laughs) (laughs) They have noticed noticed the change in my attitude since I started being more grateful. I'm sure. I'm sure. And I think people speak about this, too, with meditation or any type of thought work where you just work on changing your perspective and... There's always going to be bad things you could glean from any day, but there's always going to be good things as well. And so why dwell on the bad? Exactly. Would you find in conversations you've had with other people and people who have put this same practice into place, do they see your similar awesome results? It's funny. I was in Memphis last week and a friend of mine said, I got your book and I read it because uh, my significant other said, look, uh, why are you, are you ever happy? Are you ever happy? Do you ever stop complaining? He said, so I read your book. And then he said, how long does it take? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, Chris, it takes a while. I'm not going to lie to you. It, it takes a while. It, even if you have a heart attack, it took me a while to come around to it. And, but it's, it's daily practice day after day after day. My gut says it's about a month. It, it mm. felt like, and you know, this is hindsight, right? I think it's 21 days of in a row and you establish a new habit, but just to be safe, let's say a month because it, you're training your brain, right? You're retraining mm-hmm. your brain. And if your brain has spent the better part of your lifetime looking for what's messed up in the world, that's how you've trained it and, and what's wrong and, and everybody's out to get me. And it takes effort at first to retrain your brain, but it does happen. To, to mm-hmm. where you start noticing what's good in life and not what's messed up in life. Then you're putting the right hormones in, the, the dopamine and, and so on, into your brain and cutting off all the, what is it, cortisol and other ones. I'm, I know about that much. Uh, we're audio only, so indicate one inch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know about that much on the hormones, but I know, it, number one, you need to have those good low, stress-lowering hormones in your brain. And 1A, if you have them, that – there's a whole lot of physical benefits that accrue. And if you don't, and it's all stress hormones, you go the other direction. Mm -hmm. It's making me think of, I do nutrition and weight loss coaching. And I have the conversation with clients of, you know, one salad doesn't make a healthy eating pattern or one strength training workout doesn't build your muscles. And so it's, it requires repetition and gratitude is like building that muscle for yourself to flip the way you're seeing things and it takes repetition. And I think that's good to mention because if somebody tries it for a day and they, after hearing this and then things, wait a second, I'm still just as stressed as I was yesterday. What's going on here? It, it takes the repetition, but what if somebody's listening and they're thinking, you know, I don't believe it. I don't, that seems too easy, too simple. How can gratitude actually help me manage all of the stress I have? What is your response to that person? So, so it can't manage it all. It, it won't manage it all. It'll make it better. Uh-huh. It, you are, you train your brain to look for what's good. You will not find good 100% of the time. People will ask me, so do you have great days every day? And, and even though the title of the book is great things happen every day, not every day is going to be a, a perfectly wonderful day. My response is let's just assume 
that in a 30-day month, 10% of the days, three days, are going to be so awful and horrible that no matter how, how positive your attitude is, no matter how grateful you are, you're going to have a lousy day. Mm-hmm. And let's assume on the other side that 10% of the days are going to be so good that no, even Eeyore would like them, right? <laughs> no, matter, no matter how negative you are, you're going to have a great day there. Well, that leaves 80% or roughly 24 days that are kind of up for grabs. And, and you know, even if you think it's 20 and 20, that's still 40 or 60% of the, the days that are up for grabs that you can do something about. I, I honestly believe that it's at least 80% are up for grabs. And with the right attitude, you're going to put a lot of them in the good, on the good side of the ledger. That's such a good way to think about it. I just was breaking the month apart in my mind. I mean, that's, I've never heard it described that way. That's, that's really cool. What I'm if somebody, you are, yeah, see, I am not a math person. So <laughs> I, it took me a second there. I was really, <laughs> I was actually very impressed by how quick you did the math. <laughs> 10% three days. I was like, wow, that was really good. Um, it's, it's pretty sad, my basic math skills. Uh, but what if somebody's listening then and they're, hearing, and I've heard this from clients as well, just when you recommend it, you got to say no to some things and somebody's immediate thought is, I can't, I can't say no to stuff because they're so trained to say yes. And they feel like their job is so demanding. And like, I hear this advice all the time. You have to say no, you have to set boundaries, but that's not something that works for me. I would say I thought that too, until I had a heart attack. Yeah. Don't don't wait for the heart attack to learn that you actually can say no. Um, it, you know, because your gut reaction might be, I can't say no to that. I can't say no to that. And and sometimes, sometimes that gut reaction is is right. But you got to make sure you're not just defaulting to that answer. And, and so maybe you ask yourself three times that question three times in a row. Can I say no to this? Oh, no, oh, no, I have to do it. Really, really, do I have to do it? And then and ask the question three or four times. And sure, there are some where you have to do it or you're going to die or get fired or, or something like that. But not every single one. And, I, and again, I'm, I'm preaching to myself from the year 2014. Not every single one has to be done. Not everything is is uber critical and you must say yes to all of it. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a – I'll refra- I, I have to reframe the question sometimes. You'll, you'll know what I mean here in a second. Uh, Derek Sivers, who founded CD Baby back in the 90s, and he's done a lot of, of, lot of work with getting musicians out, out in front of uh, the audiences. You know, he has reformatting software for MP3s and so on. At any rate, he had a quote that I read that says, when, I am, when I'm given a decision, it's either hell yeah or it's no. So if he really wants to do it, then it's a yes. Otherwise, it's a no. Now, the, the immediate pushback, because I did it too, was like, of course you can say that. You're independently wealthy, right? Mm. But but he, but is he is he able to say that because he's independently wealthy? Or is he independently wealthy because he's had that attitude all along? And so he's, he said no to the things that weren't that important, that weren't critical, and said, and left room for what we call the hell yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I said, sometimes I need to reframe that because I, I'm over 50, I'll give you that right now. And I have never yet said, oh, I get to go to a colonoscopy today. Oh, hell yeah. But I will say this. If you reframe it and say, do I want to take this test so that I can, I stand a better chance of avoiding cancer, then it becomes a hell yeah. Mm -hmm. So again, it gets back to the attitude. 
But right. you really, it, if it's an obvious yes, go for it. Otherwise, you really need to try to say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Before my current work that I do, I was a teacher for 12 years. And for eight of those years, I taught high school English. And I would put a lot of stress on myself. I mentioned to you before we aired, I'm very type A. I like things organized. I like to succeed. I like to do well. And I remember this one time I had a whole batch of papers. I always had papers to grade. It's the worst part about teaching English is there's never that you you grade the papers, you give them back, you feel awesome for about 24 hours, and then they turn in a new set of papers, (laughs) more papers to grade. But I was really stressing myself out that I had told the kids I was going to have their papers back by Friday. And it was Thursday night and I had still like 50 or something to grade, let's say. And I was just staying up late doing it. And then I said, you know what? I'm just going to go to bed. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to tell them tomorrow. I'm going to apologize. I'll get them to them on Monday. And I went into the classroom and said, you guys, it was an all boys school. I said, you guys, I'm really sorry. I told you you were going to get your papers back today, but I didn't finish them last night and I apologize. And I remember one kid going, what papers? Like, he, he totally didn't even remember the paper that I had that they were grading. And then a few other kids chimed in. Yeah, what, what are you talking about? Which paper did we submit? And it's just, this idea just struck me right at then that I put so much more stress on myself than is necessary sometimes. And I've thought about that now in creating my own business that I could literally work nonstop and not set an end time for myself and work into the wee hours of the morning and burn myself out. But I have very strict boundaries with myself of, okay, it's 5 PM. You said you were going to do strength training or go for a walk today. You got to cut it off and you know, you'll show up better tomorrow if you're well rested and you'll get more done in less time. And I have these conversations with myself all the time, but I think we, a lot of the time we put pressure on ourselves and whether it's a work project or something and like, I have to get this done. And maybe people don't even care as much as you yep. think they do. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Hey there, health investor. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Just popping in here for a quick minute to share an exciting opportunity with you. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in sustainable weight loss. If you've been struggling to lose weight and actually keep it off, I'd love to connect with you in my group or one-on-one coaching program. Unlike restrictive, hard-to-follow diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed habits and an everything-in-moderation mindset so that you can lose weight permanently, feel completely in control of your cravings, have steady energy throughout the day, and stick with healthy habits long-term. To learn more about my coaching programs and apply to work with me, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram at thehealthinvestment. Now, back to the episode. What would you say are some things people do in their attempts to manage stress that don't work well, that you kind of see people trying? I think the obvious one is like, alcohol, drugs, uh, coffee first thing in the morning so I can do more, do more. Um, the, the whole, yeah, I, I, I'm, I like to have a drink now and then. But if I'm doing that because I want to manage my stress, that's, that's not right. Yeah, okay. I, I may just want to have a drink while we're watching a show, a glass mm-hmm. of wine. That's fine. But 
but to do that to manage stress, to try and and use some sort of chemical is and, and in chemicals, I'm including something else I love is a cup of coffee. But it, the old Phil would get up and make a pot of coffee and use that to fuel my entire day because I can do more. And if I do more, that's going to help me manage stress. In reality, it's just keeping that cycle going. Mm -hmm. um, working through lunch. You, you mentioned it. You know, I, I'm going to do strength training at this point. I'm going to take a walk at this point. But, but thinking if I work through lunch, I'll get more done. You're just you're just compounding the problem. I try to get out, especially now the weather's beautiful in Ohio. I try to get out every day and take a little walk at lunch mm -hmm. and, and take a break, clear your mind. And this is what I learned when I was at, you know, after the heart attack was by working less, I was getting more done by, by yeah. taking your time and doing the self care. I was actually able to accomplish more. So just trying to push through the whole, I'll rest when I'm dead. Well, you will, but that could be a lot quicker if you don't take care of yourself, right? Yeah. So, so that it, and and the problem is, and you know, I, I like Elon Musk with his Teslas and everything, but then we hear quotes from him like, "Well, nothing ever got accomplished in a forty-hour work week," and, and and so you know, you hear these quotes from these very famous people, and you think, "Oh, that's got to be me." No, it doesn't. If that's not how you're wired, take care of yourself first. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. What about, you mentioned Facebook. I think we all have our social media vices, but I know I see clients who it's like turning to kind of the mindless scroll at the end of the day to manage stress. But then sometimes those things can bring on more stress if it's the comparison oh, yeah. trap or any thoughts on that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and and I just got a hold of some research that I'm trying to, to go through. So there will be more later. Um <laughs> I'll, I'll email it to you when I get through it all. But yeah, yeah. The, the issue with Facebook is they don't, you know, I, I ask audiences when I do a keynote, do you think Facebook is meant to be a positive experience or a negative experience? And the answer is Facebook doesn't care. They want to be a sticky experience. They want mm -hmm. to keep you there. And so whatever you look at, they will continue to feed you. And I believe they have algorithms. I, I saw that movie. I can't remember what it was. The social experiment. Oh yeah. The social network. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so they know where you're, where you're spending your time and they're going to give you more of it. So even if you aren't participating in these awful, awful back and forth, you're dumb because you're a Republican. No, you're dumb because you're a Democrat. No, no, you're dumb because you're an atheist. No, you're dumb because you're Christian, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Even if you're not participating in that participation is a whole new level of stress. But even if you're not doing that and you're just reading it, they know and you're going to get more of it. And we've all had, hang on, I got to, okay, she's, I did shut off Alexa before this conversation. So, but, but we all know, right? You don't even have to say Alexa. You just, you, we know, we've had this. People tell me all the time. My wife and I were talking, in our case, it was about, I'd like to get an outdoor fire pit. And I am still getting ads in Facebook for outdoor fire pits. So, you know, they're monitoring and, and we can talk about the creepiness factor of that, but, but. They're, they're going to give you what you want because that's how they make money. They want me to click through and get the outdoor fire pit. I might, I might not, right? That's what they want. Can you tell I'm passionate about this? Yeah. So here, here's the deal. I tell people, you know, there are people we know that could walk into a room and suck out all the joy just by being in the room. 
Mm-hmm. And, and and so you don't want to hang out with them. You don't the next time you're having a having lunch go, I want that person who sucks all the joy out of life because they complain about everything along with me. Why are you letting them into your Facebook experience? You don't, mm-hmm. and, and the great thing is you, you may be friends with them and you don't want to see all the stuff they're throwing out there. You can just block them. You don't have to mm-hmm. unfriend them. And, and they don't even know, right? Wouldn't that be great in real life? You just block somebody. And yeah. They, <laughs> They have no idea you did it. I'm but, sure Elon Musk will invent that, where you can just make somebody disappear. <laughs> He'll probably do that on Twitter now that he's got yeah, it. Yeah, probably. Just kidding, Elon. Okay, yeah. so anyway. <laughs> but at any rate, you got to take care of yourself first. I don't want to get off Facebook. You know, I've got a niece in Florida with two, with a young boy and a young girl. I want to see their pictures. I, I've got friends from high school that I can catch up with. There is so much positive there, but I've got to eliminate the negative to to lower the stress. And it's absolutely critical. And like I said, I'm doing more research that shows I just got a hold of some research. I talked to a lady that has done some research and she sent it to me. I'm like, holy cow, this is more critical than I thought. Mm hmm. Just yesterday, I was listening while I was doing my strength training, by the way, um, <laughs> when I shut myself off at 5 p.m., I was listening to a podcast with uh, Chelsea Handler and the comedian Nikki Glaser, and they were mm-hmm. talking about this topic, and Nikki Glaser was saying she used to compare herself a lot, just subconsciously or consciously to the highlight reels everybody was posting about their relationships and their travels. And then she got the advice to scroll through her own account and see what people are viewing of her. And she scrolled through it and she goes, oh my gosh, I was jealous of my life, my highlight reel. She said, it looked fantastic. And it was such a good point because if you scroll through your own, nobody posts the hard stuff on social media. And if you scroll through your own feed, you know other stuff that was going on in your life that was challenging at the time, but you're not posting that. And if you just look at the highlight reel, it makes it seem like even your own life is perfect. And it seems like everybody else is having all the vacations and all the fun. And, you know, they're they're in the Caribbean while you're at work. And, you know, you'll be on vacation probably someday, but it's not right now. And it can feel frustrating of, oh my gosh, this person, what are they up to? Uh, I've also heard, and I know there's research to support this as well. And I'm wondering your thoughts on kind of like the 24 hour news cycle, if you're tuned in to the television all day long. And similar to like the Facebook algorithm, how the news is just trying to hook you in and dramatize stories and that can be stress inducing as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I get the, uh, iPad version of wall street journal. So I've got uh, the headlines of what can, what's happening. I don't watch the news. If you watch the news, it's fine, but it just seems like it's overly dramatic. We, my wife and I watch the news, the local news, and we normally start it. <clears throat> Sometime about 10 minutes in, because then we can get some of the, the nice interest stories, anything re- weather related. I can get the sports and then we're done um, mm-hmm. because I don't think local is as bad. But the national mm-hmm. news is just all about overly dramatic everything, because that's what people are tuning in for. And, and so they want they want your eyeballs. And that's that's how they make their money. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that's good, bad or indifferent. I'm saying it's bad for you. But but that's mm-hmm. their model. And so yeah. therefore you need to be aware of that. And so, yeah, I, I don't, um, you know, I, I remember I'm, I, this is going back a while, but, uh, on nine 11, 
my wife was just tuned in watching that and watching that. And she finally, I, I was like, you need to turn it off. You need to turn it off. It's awful. It's terrible, but you've been watching it for hours. You need to turn it off. And, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, on a daily basis we get, you know, whether it's a hurricane or whatever, you, you just, it's overly dramatic. And so, yeah, I, I try to avoid it, not sticking my head mm-hmm. in the sand, but you just, you got to manage that. Self-care there are different first. mediums. Yeah, there's different mediums to process the news. And like you said, you can read the news. You can stay very up to date just reading for 10, 20 minutes a day. And it's less dramatized and less stressful, in my opinion. Exactly. Yep. What would you say are some of the most common misconceptions about stress? Um, I think we talked a little bit about it. You know, I can do it all. Um, I, and and this is probably good stress, right? There's good stress, right? And there is, there is. If you step out of your comfort zone occasionally and, and do something a little a little bit out there, mentally or physically, there's good. But even even all good stress is bad. You need to rest. So I, I think the misconceptions are it won't hurt me. It absolutely will. It it might not hurt you today, but it will hurt you eventually. It can hurt it can hurt your mind. It will hurt your heart. It will hurt you. So I, I already talked about the one I can rest. I'll rest when I'm dead, you know, well, enough stress and you'll get to rest early. So I I think that's a misconception. The whole idea about good stress, um, that the whole stress management thing is for other people and not for me. I'm just, I'm just taking off the list of the things I used to say. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, those, those are some of them. You just, I, I don't need to rest. You do. Uh, and I don't need to de-stress. Yeah, you do. There needs to be a time and it could be meditation. It could be reading. It could be whatever, but there needs to be a time when you decompress. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you're just putting your body under constant stress. Right. When you talk about the gratitude practice that you implemented, I know at first you were typing it out on Facebook. Is it something you still do every day writing it down or has it become more of a mental exercise for you? And if somebody wants to start this, do you recommend writing it first? And then kind of once you're, you've trained your brain, you just kind of think about it naturally or how do you, how do you help people implement this on a day-to-day basis and stick with it? You, you write it down. If you don't okay. want to put it on Facebook in front of people and, and, <laughs> You know, I, I loved your idea about where you're talking about look at your own life and look how wonderful you've made it look. It, because I have to remember, I have bad days. And, and if you read my great things happen, 99.9% of them are great right out the gate. And the other 0.1 are things that I thought were going to be bad that we were able to turn around. Right. So I believe you write it down. It's doing it on Facebook gave me an accountability group. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of times you have to have that accountability. So it all depends on the person. But if you're the kind of person like me that needs to have somebody to hold you accountable, and it doesn't have to be one-on-one, it can just be, uh, I'm going to put it out on Facebook to the anonymous audience, and that'll mm-hmm. be fine. It can be writing it in a journal. It can be handwriting. I still handwrite. I've got all my little tech toys, but I think a lot of times that that experience of actually putting pen to paper can really mm-hmm really help you out. But I think you need to write it down. I have not yet in seven years gotten to the point where I just think about it. I, I see it all the time, but I still feel like I need to write it down. Like, I don't want to know what happens if I stop, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and if it's working for you, it ain't broke, right? Keep (laughs) it up. 
I even think if you had a journal on your nightstand, for example, that's a form of accountability. If you see it and then, you know, okay, this is something I do right before bed. It takes three minutes. Um, and how cool to kind of collect that over years and be able to flip back through and look at past ones. Um, and yeah, I like the idea of writing it down. And I think there's so much touted now in terms of like morning routines and journaling, and it can seem overwhelming of, oh, I need 30 minutes to journal or I can't do it at all. And it could be three and it could just be this journaling exercise, right? It doesn't have to be, you then respond to this prompt and this prompt and you write about your day. It could just be five things, boom, write them down, Mm -hmm. close the journal, go to bed. Um, I think, you know, the barrier to entry that I talk about with clients a lot, it can seem hefty and (laughs) overwhelming. And, you know, I have to eat perfect all the time is stressful, but could you just focus on breakfast right now and, you know, make it small, manageable steps. And that seems very manageable to me, just writing five things down. So I think I have journals that I kind of, you know, people give you journals or things and then you tuck them away. Cause I'm like, what am I supposed to use this for? <laughs> but now I can pull them out and I can put one. I'm already going to do it. I'm going to put it by my bed. I've also been reading before bed instead of looking at my phone. That's something I've been doing for myself, like a physical book with a book light talking Love about it. de-stressing. That has been huge for me to just read words on paper. Speaking of books, I know you have other than your own, some books that you recommend for stress. Would you mind sharing those with us? Sure. Um, it's, I never thought of it as a stress book, but it really is. It's called Getting Things Done by David Allen. So, uh, and a lot of followers of his methodology, and I got it right here. Do, do I not? Yeah. So it's, uh, and I don't know why I didn't think of it as a stress book because it says Getting Things Done, subheading The Art of Stress Free Productivity. So the whole point behind this, I, you know, when I picked it up originally, and this goes back 15, 20 years. I thought I was coming up with a way to get more things done. But the reality is it's a way to get your mind around everything that's going on and make the you and you make a decision. Am I going to do it? Am I going to delete it? Am I going to delegate it? And then when you 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 have this peace of mind, right? And and I've read a lot of his stuff and listened to his podcast. And one of the things he tells people to do is think about the biggest problem you've got going on right now and spend a minute just brainstorming what's the next thing you could do to help solve that problem. And a minute from now you feel better. And then he Mm -hmm. says, well, did you do anything? No, it's just the whole idea of getting your head around and planning it that made you that, that lowered your stress. So, and my wife once told me that she read an article, the number one thing, the number one way to reduce stress is planning. And she's right. Up to a point, I can I can also be a serial planner and and yeah. stress yourself out because you plan and replan and replan and never do anything. So at some point, you have to you have to actually move, right? But but planning and and that the way it's done and getting things done is is a way I recommend getting your stress under control a little bit. That's awesome. I'm gonna definitely pick that book up, and I think it relates a lot. Again, I'm coming from my own experiences, but also working with clients of. When we feel out of control, that's when a lot of the stress or the bad stuff starts to happen. And so if you can just put one thing in your mind, of there, here's this one thing I can do to tackle this big problem, you feel more in control. And it's like you just breathe easier because mm-hmm. if it feels completely out of control and too big, yeah, obviously it's going to be stressful. Yes. You're not going to stop thinking about it. 
That's great. What about in terms of a morning routine? Do you have, I know the gratitude probably happens at the end of the day. Do you have anything that you have implemented in your mornings? Yeah. So actually on Facebook now, frequently it's great things that happened yesterday because you <laughs> nice. know, we, we, we might be de-stressing at the end of the day and just, um, and, and we watch old TV shows, old comedy sometimes before bed. So kind of de-stress that way. The morning routine I call is ABCD. And the A stands for affirmations, some sort of, hey, here's what I, and I've got rotating ones that show up on my, my uh, computer. It, I, am, I am going to be hilarious today. I'm going to help somebody today, et cetera. The B is book, some sort of reading. It, I like to connect it to a higher power. So if you like the Bible or, or some, something like that, that's fine. If you have some other way to, con, to, to really connect yourself to a higher power, B. C is coffee, cup of coffee. And D is dogs because dogs are the most grateful creatures ever put on the earth, right? I mean, and and the truth of it is, it doesn't happen in alphabetical order. It's D C B A because the dogs want to be fed first, and and you get up first thing in the morning, and they're just so happy to see, you and they're wagging their tails, and you're like the, the most wonderful person. It's been hours since we've seen each other, and and so they. They love you and you feed them and then they love you some more because you fed them. And, and I mean, they're grateful for dog food. What what better example for <laughs> gratitude could you have? And then see, I, I love a good cup of coffee first thing in the morning. And then I sit down and read and finish with the affirmations. And then I'm ready to hit the day. And mm. And at some point in the morning, one of my tasks is, hey, get the great things out there if you haven't done it already. Mm. Awesome. It sounds like you just told me that I have to get a dog. And so then when my husband listens to this, he'll also hear that. And so I Brooke appreciate that. Needs a dog. <laughs> Unfortunately, our current landlord doesn't allow it, but ah. I keep telling him, you know, when we move eventually somewhere, we have more space or a backyard or something. That would be really lovely. So I'm trying yep. to prime him. He's not sold yet, but I'm sure this podcast will do it. This is the one. <laughs> So I appreciate you for that. <laughs> you're, you're, you're welcome. I, I highly recommend, we have one cat and two dogs. The cat's nice too, but dogs are just so awesome. Well, I also have recently have been working on a cat because I figured if he doesn't want a dog, maybe we could get a cat. And so I don't know what kind of cat you've had, but I've heard orange cats are very sweet and nice. Just people talk about orange cats. There's this whole thing online. What kind of cat do you have? Um, it showed up. <laughs> It's kind of a tiger cat. It showed up 15 oh. years ago and it loves us. So that's nice. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, uh, she's a cool little cat. I, I will tell you, it took her 13 years to decide, to decide that she would like me and sit on my lap when I'm watching TV. But now, now we're great buddies. So that's not only 13 years. That's nothing. Yeah, yeah. I know. Right. <laughs> well, I, final question I ask each of my guests is in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? It means to take the time to put yourself first. Yeah. What do they, what do they say? And I know I've heard this a hundred times by a hundred different people, but when you're on the airplane, put the mask on yourself first so that you can take care of others. And so put yourself first, your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, put all of those things. You have to put yourself first and build that into your schedule. And then you will have more strength, more time, more ability to help others than if you run yourself on empty. So mm -hmm. it, to my, my mind, it's, it's all of those health factors 
and putting yourself first. It's it's not a it's not a selfish thing. It's I'm going to make sure I'm in a good good spot so that I can help the world. Yeah. I must say your cardiologist must tout you as this incredible success story because I feel like the person has probably told everybody stop stressing as much and everybody's just kind of like yeah 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 whatever <laughs> and then goes on with their life and you actually took that advice and implemented it and look at you now so they must be very proud well I didn't tell you the other thing was when they told me my wife was in the room so she oh got it <laughs> Right? So you didn't have a choice. You didn't have a choice. <laughs> you need to take three months off. It's like she was right there. She said, you will do this. Yeah. <laughs> She's giving you those eyes. Thinking, yeah. I don't want to have to set up an eHarmony profile, buddy. Get yeah. better. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, where can listeners follow and find you? So www.philbarth.com. I... I love this site because I didn't have anything to do with it other than saying, hey, here's what I want. Yeah, uh, because again, I thought I can do it all myself. I can do it. And then I thought, no, I really can't. I'm just going to say no. And write was a small check to these people who developed this website that I love. So www.philbarth.com. If you want the books there on Amazon, easiest way to get to it is www.philbarthbooks.com, which will just flip you right over. And then Perfect. Facebook, yeah, I think I'm philbarth.7. I think I'm the probably the seventh philbarth on Facebook. I don't know. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I know my audience is going to love your humor and your candidness and everything you shared. And I look forward to staying connected with you. Oh, me too. Thanks for having me. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.